Hello and welcome to another edition of Hunter Gathers, the podcast of Hunter S. Thompson stories. I'm your host, Curtis Robinson. Uh, I'm joined today by Christopher Tidmore, who's recording us live to tape uh, from our palatial studios in uh, New Orleans, Louisiana. How are you, Christopher? I stand ready on Historic Magazine Street to go forth in yet another Hunter story that has not uh, come upon the world. And I think we got a doozy today. Yeah, well, we're going to gather a classic. Uh, we have a classic today for two reasons. One of them is that uh, so many great Hunter stories begin with, you know, I was in college and it goes from there. And then the, the second part of that is there's a certain creativity filter that I've noticed that with uh, people who actually managed to have a close encounter of the third kind uh, actually got to see the good doctor. And of course, we all know that his public appearances went perfectly. Uh, you should also know that uh, I have. They were perfect. They were experience. perfect. They were perfectly memorable, Curtis. No matter when yes, they were. Yes, perfectly memorable. Yes, yes, yes. No one, no one, no, no one forgets it because by the by the time he shows up. Uh, well, anyway, we don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. Today, today's guest is Paul Budnitz, and I, I'll, I'll find out if I'm pronouncing Budnitz right. Uh, I can I can say this. I before he came into the hunter world, I I knew him because in New England he he made a bicycle. That's a fairly famous, wonderful tremendous bicycle and, but when and it was called the Budnitz bicycle uh or at least that's what we called it when uh, uh we would see uh, see it in, in pictures and I, and I always thought that the name was all right I, forgive me for this but it's true i always thought the name was some sort of hipster marijuana reference that i didn't <laughs> understand i i actually and that's not that's not unusual for me anything any word i don't understand i think is some obscure drug the reference first time i ever heard that that's so brilliant what's well, buttons, <laughs> it's so buttons. i'm like you know it's it's so I cool just thought, so like the first jewish you know bicycle company the jewish name would be good so oh yeah 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 well that, that you know I, I wish i had thought of that oh i'll bet that's the first jewish bicycle that would have been good but no 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 i went straight to the gutter you know, I tell you like, the truth, when, like when we launched, I'm going to interrupt with a random, by the way, you pronounced my name perfectly. Thank you. Oh, well, Paul's easy. Like a, yeah, right. With a random story, which is just, <laughs> I actually think kind of like it's, it's, it kind of fits into this podcast. You know, when I, when I created that company, it was a little bit by accident in that I was building all these bike frames on the side with something else, another company I was running and other stuff I was doing. And people as start buying does. them. As one does. As one does. So we, you know what I did is I, I made a website and then we just put a picture of, we didn't have any of them. We had one. We put a picture of it and just put sold out on it and put it up on a website. And then, and then. That's I what you call marketing acumen. Marketing acumen. Yeah, yeah. Well, what I did is I wrote a history of the company that went back to like 1880 and had pictures and talked about how this was the first kosher bicycle company actually ever, ever made. Um, where they used they used they used kosher grease to grease the chains and all this stuff back in the old days and how it was but you know but then, but you 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 actually used titanium frames though right I did yeah they actually the the the, the bikes are, I think we the the company finally shut down after ten years thanks to the um, or maybe on hiatus but it, at present it shut down simply because parts became impossible due to all this shutdown stuff well you know titanium can't possibly be kosher. I didn't really think about that. <laughs> I never no, ate it, can't, it. it can't be because it <laughs> was titanium man opposed to Iron Man. 
and was evil. Right. So kosher means good. Well, well, we digress, my friend. We digress. Welcome, Paul, to Hunter Gatherers. Yeah, but Stark um, sounds. But Stark sounds a little bit German as a name, and so therefore, Titanium Man could have been one of the forerunners of the Haganah. Yes, like that. yes, yes, yes. But that, <laughs> but then your backstory is super. You sell some bites. You know, right, you're, so you're the goal. Yeah, so the you're not, <laughs> you're not the first. You're not the first biker we've uh, we've heard that has a Hunter Thompson story. You might be the first bicyclist that that uh, has one. But take us back to yesteryear and set the scene for us for the beginning of your Hunter story. And uh, uh, I believe you were in school in California, and you were doing as I don't know why people in California do this, uh, but you were doing something in the garage. Yeah, I was in I was in college. Uh, actually in on the east coast but i was on my summer in my summer breaks in california i grew up in berkeley um and on my summer breaks my best friend and i had this company where we were silk screening our um silk screening art onto t-shirts like our own art and it was just covered like ink covered t-shirts with giant cartoon drawings on them and big pictures of nails and scissors and other sort of very punk rock looking things and of course we were broke because we were students. And what we did all day is we listened to the college radio station, KLX, endlessly because every hour or two they'd announce that they're giving away tickets to something. And then we had, we had the radio station on speed dial. And at one point they said, oh yeah, uh, Hunter Thompson's, Hunter S. Thompson's appearing at the I-Beam. I think it was, I think we talked about this. I, I'm, I think it was actually either the I-Beam or bimbos, which is a really big difference if you're in San Francisco. One's really big, one's really small. I'm going to say it was bimbos um, on stage. Um, and we're giving away tickets, and we won the tickets. And so we were totally psyched, um, being massive fans, of course. And we went, we, we went to the show, and he didn't show up on stage. <laughs> like nine I'm shocked, was supposed I'm shocked to. of that. I'm shocked. <laughs> he that, but, didn't show up on but, stage. <laughs> but 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 tell me tell me something. You, you said you you went with with a friend. And this is another yeah. common denominator. I'll bet just yeah. the two of you went. You probably got two tickets. The two of you went. He did. Yeah. Yeah. Are you, are, ben was Ben six four with a shaved head. May have had shaved eyebrows at the time just because he thought it was interesting. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Ben Ben was one of the. 20% of guys who were going to Sarah Lawrence, actually. So he had, a, he had a real great college experience, I think. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, you, so anyway, you, you, you probably are more the mainstream of the, of the two of you then, right? Yeah, I guess so. At the time, that I would have definitely appeared more normal. I'm not sure I actually am I, in real life. I like that. I'll, I'll let you go on with the story, but I, I do appreciate the nuance of that. So go ahead. Yeah, so... Uh, so we went to the show and, and an hour passed and the crowd was getting pretty restless an hour and a half passed and they finally came up on stage and it was Hunter Thompson and his lawyer. Um, okay. Which, which, law, which lawyer was it? Was it Oscar? It must've been. Yeah. Cause he was, a he was, a I don't know. Is he Mexican American? Is he Filipino? He is. I don't he, he Samoan would, he in the Mac book, he right? He's Samoan in the book, and that, that oh boy, that's a rabbit hole to go down. Uh, uh, mm -hmm. That's quite controversial. However, the brown buffalo, uh, Oscar was, was indeed, uh, we would say, I think he would have said Chicano. I think we would say Latino now. Latino now, yeah. So he was, uh, 
Yeah, so so there was a table. I didn't mention that there was a table set with just all kinds of drink and food that looked really great if you were like in, stuck in the audience at the club, you know, just sitting there the whole time. They eventually just stumbled onto stage. And uh, Hunter Thompson didn't talk much, except he just spent, when he did, he would more or less just insult the audience. So anybody, he didn't even really talk. He just asked for questions. Um, and then anyone who asked a question, he would just insult them. And in the one that I remember very clearly, and this is the kind of, I'm 54 now, so this would be 20, 24 years ago. I bet it was 19 or 20 years old, like 25 years ago. Is that 35 years ago? 35 years ago? That was a long Last, time ago, 35 do, do, years do, ago. Do, does anyone Holy on this shit. call strike you as a math major? I don't know, but they, I'm supposed to be, but no. Mm-hmm. 35 years ago. and um, What do you mean you're supposed to be? You, you went well, to film school physics. or something. I, no, I studied physics, and then I, I, I transferred to art. So I because get of the both. math. Because of the math. Yeah. I have to tell you that connection hasn't really been a major part of the art world since Leonardo da Vinci, so I'm, I stand impressed. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, you know, so it there, was funny. You're, you're I, went to, I went to the dean and, and said, I'm going to drop out of college. And he said, well, what would entice you to not drop out. What are you spending your time doing? And it turned out I was spending all my time making movies. So they switched me to art major and I got through. So, oh, nice. Works. Nice. What, a, yeah. what an understanding school. They, they told me good. to go back and go to work. <laughs> 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 yeah, that's it. So, so you're, you're there and Hunter and uh, Oscar, I, I, I would kill to be there, but uh, apparently I could imagine might've been, it, it, it Hunter was that what what was what was the attorney like was did he was he, was he uh, he let's didn't say, say much he what I remember of, of him is saying almost nothing just sitting there pouring himself more drinks and and what would happen is someone would raise their hand and ask a question then Hunter Thompson would just say that's absolutely stupid or insult them and the one I remember most is the woman who held her hand up and said you know I named my son Hunter after you and he said that's one of the dumbest things I've ever heard anyone do. And he was just completely went on and just raged at her. And the audience by the end was ready to riot. Like it had turned into like from a Hunter Thompson love fest to like, I think they were going to kill him by the end. And, and, and uh, I think Ben and I loved it to tell you the truth, because it was such a weird, because uh, I don't remember a lot of those, a lot of experiences from that time as sharply as I remember this one. You know, and it was it was definitely really unique for someone to get up on stage and just kind of like sit there and then insult everyone and then leave. <laughs> Who paid to well, get in? He did, well, I guess yeah, maybe yeah, we uh, didn't pay to get in, so for us it was like, yeah, you got nothing to complain cool. about there. Uh, uh, yeah, and, and I think I think speed dial on uh, that was frowned upon by radio stations too. I think so. Uh, you know, you even uh, gamed the system to get in. So I guess you know, so, yeah, that that you probably had it coming. Well, it was, that was most of our entertainment that summer, I think. So you said you were a fan trying to get in because you're listening to the station. Mostly it's rock and roll show. Yeah, stuff. punk so you're shows, get, rock uh, shows, stuff like that. Now, what, what exactly. did you at that point? I mean, when you, when you I always oh, like God. Those, what, what did you read up to that point? Probably you know, the, the biggest book. Is, uh, yeah, I read, in fact, you know, the really weird thing, man, is that like I reread Fear and Loathing Las Vegas before this podcast actually just because I was reminded of it and I remembered every word. I don't know if you've ever read a book so many times that like you just remember every bit of it. 
And it was incredible me realizing how many times I'd read that book over and over. And I read Hell's Angels. I, I read the, the Campaign Trail book. I read great interviews with him, more or less disparaging Tom Wolfe, which I thought were awesome. Um, I can't remember what other stuff, what other stuff did, well, he, he, never, did he write? Because I, I probably made my way through anything else he did. But those are the three big ones, right? Well, you know, when Shark Hunt came out, the, the collection of things, I, I thought the, I thought that was the end because I thought the only reason he would publish that much stuff in one book is that, you know, he was going to check right. out. Right. And I'm like, I'm like, that's it. This is, this is the world's longest suicide note. Turned out not to be. Uh, he, went, mm. he went on for many years. But, you know, I, yeah. I always think because Shark Hunt has that great story about Ruben Salazar, the, the story that he was working on when he went to Vegas. Uh, right. it's, it's fantastic. I, I just reread that recently. Uh, it's fantastic, and it really it's it, it's one of the things when I'm recommending what people should read. I, I oftentimes say read that, and then read the the Vegas book, and that gives you an example of you know really good in depth long form magazine writing coupled with with uh, uh, what was actually in his head. Yeah, no easy task. Yeah, but you know the the the, the idea of, of rudeness to bad questions wasn't just in public. I mean, he, he really disappointed a lot of people who would come to Al farm and uh, ask stupid questions mm. and you, you could get, you could get tossed. Mm. Wow. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, I, I feel like we've lost the age of like big personality like that, you know, where you lived your whole thing. And I and I think it's it's kind of sad because it feels to me like he he not only did he like embody all this stuff and he was he was just this big personality clearly but also that he he also infused such an he's just talking about all this stuff and was willing to be completely rude and in your face and the whole thing and yet the whole thing has such an amazing sense of humor that you forgive absolutely anything you know. Yeah, and I feel like that yeah. is like so needed right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There there's we, so we, little we, sense of humor going around. Well, I mean, there's this. Yeah, we could we could use a dose of Hunter about now. I mean, it's Go just ahead, well, and that's yeah. the question. It's um, yeah. so from the late 19th century into culminating really with Hunter, it was the time of people creating their their literary narratives by being the character that's the center of their right. literary narratives. I don't care if you're Winston Churchill on the frontiers and this, you know, or you're Hunter Thompson following Oscar a campaign Wilde. or Oscar, Oscar Wilde. Wilde or, the same thing. Yeah. It's, this, it's yeah. They're, they're, because it's a time of mass communications. And before right. that, it would have been an author should never be the actual out front. And I think what's happening is we're reverting back to the pre, but we're reverting back to it, not because out of any degree of just look at the material for the sake of it or as, but because we're, we get offended at so much at every possible thing, whether it's offensive or not, that we can't well, ever know, see past it. I mean, well, you're, you're just I, offensive in general, Nick Curtis. So you know, it's not a problem. <laughs> but um, no, I'm offended. You're offended. I, I, I'm offended. I'm constantly offended. Well, but I mean, and, and the, uh, I actually asked that question: what, How would Hunter? And I'm curious: How would Hunter deal with our current media sphere when he went into it? Um, how would Hunter deal with the cancel culture? when he got up and totally. did something like that. And it would, it's, it's, it, it, it's interesting. I think he would have dealt with it brilliantly, but it would have been as controversial as he was in life. The, the, the controversy level is it's, you're not allowed to be a gentleman. You're not allowed to be an ass. You ha you're allowed to be someone who acts within a certain parameter. 
I can't imagine yes. Hunter ever acting within a parameter. No, I mean, I well, think Hunter would have probably been, been absolutely uh, brutally himself, right? Yeah, yeah and, and he would have been, you know, he ended up writing uh, uh, a sports column online. I think you, I think that would have been true, but you know, it, it's safe to embrace Hunter's writing now, but at the time it was extremely dangerous and, and involved lawyers and other things. I think that he caught the wave with Rolling Stone and, and some of the other publications that, that could do that. And, and don't forget another, another big break for him came because the, uh, the youth vote, the, they lowered the voting age to 18 and, mm. Rolling Stone was seen as bloggers would be years later. Rolling Stone was seen as the way to access all of these new voters. And that's the reason suddenly Hunter Thompson's riding around with Richard Nixon, you know, that. So, so I think he, he caught, he caught and helped create that wave. But you know, that, that, that's part of the, that's part of the Hunter thing. You know, did he create the wave or did the wave create Hunter? Right. But I, I don't, I, I feel like so strongly that, you know, what's really missing now is our people who are just willing to go way out there and on the limb. And like, as you're saying about cancel culture and all that, it just creates, there's just so much fear, you know, and, and so little sense of humor that, because like I, you know, and when you, if you're really going to experiment, and I think that was like really the amazing stuff about what he did is he put himself right in the middle of all these situations without compromise in a lot of ways and then expressed himself without compromise, but you can't be perfect and do that and still come up with great stuff, you know? And it just, it, to me, I, I, I think I, when I was rereading the book, that's what I was missing most. I was like, Oh man, we could use this so much right now. Oh, I really, yeah. Yeah. When you reread those things, it's like, wow, that, that was, he's right in the midst of that. Yeah. And, uh, I should ask Paul, you know, you, know, you, you had your hunter experience and it, yeah. it's interesting that you remember it so well when we've determined it was somewhere between 15 and a hundred years ago. So I, I'm curious, what effect do you think it had? I mean, you, uh, people can, can Google you and find out, but I mean, you did, you did kid robot, you built bicycles, you, um, and I should say now you're, you're the founder and I think CEO of super plastic, right. uh, yeah. I will not say the next Disney, but others have. Well, no, no, no. They've said the next fucked up Disney. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that's the description I like best, personally. <laughs> and and for for yeah, I, I can just tell people to go go to 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 the website and uh, uh, at your own risk. But uh, yeah, how do you think how do you think it affected you if it did? Oh man, I, I just think what. I think for me, you know, man, it's like, I don't, I feel like the world over and over, you know, attempts to sanitize itself and make things safe. And, uh, what I'm doing now, you know, if you look at what we're doing in super plastic, it is like a really fucked up version of Disney. You know, it's where we're creating an entire character universe, but the characters have this sort of edgy reality to them. They're really kind of pushing a hell of a lot of boundaries all over the place. And I think for me personally, there, you know, I hadn't really experienced um, someone who was, I guess you'd call them a star, a celebrity like that. who was just content, just, just so deeply off on his own trip, you know? And I feel like that 
I don't know, I think I feel like that really affected me in a lot of different ways because it, it was a very unique thing that he was that he was and that he was doing. I mean, he was even wearing the driving glasses on stage. You know what I mean? Like the whole thing. And I I just feel like um, I also remember, by the way, and this is, I'm digressing, but that he talked really fast. He had this funny way of like almost swallowing his words. It was really interesting too. And I, I say for me, I mean, I think the inspiration is just to really like just keep going out there and being myself and not really giving a shit. You know, I think that's that. And that's really been my mantra. And it's actually, I have 50 people who work with me here. And it's what I say to people over and over again. You know, it's like when you stop worrying and you just do your thing, you automatically do something way more interesting than when you're actually trying. And I, and I, and it just felt to me like, I don't know how that relates to him, but it just really felt to me like that's what I saw that night, you know? So he was just kind of doing his thing. I don't know if he was trying, but he didn't look like it, but it was pretty interesting. So well, it's also interesting a writer and his lawyer are being uh, uh, promoted on a, a local rock and roll uh, college radio station. I yeah, mean, right? Yeah, it's like, it's like, come to think of it, that's odd. It's, uh, it was a punk station too, more or less. You know, oh, this is oh, the, the, the 80s. Yeah, it make, then it makes perfectly good sense. <laughs> yeah, it does, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pretty it good transition. Really, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, Paul, the clock on the wall says we should, we should, we should wrap this up. We'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll have you back. And I'm sorry that I thought your bicycle was a reference to uh, marijuana. Oh, that's all right. I don't, you don't have to apologize. I think it's awesome. I'm all in. <laughs> and Chris, <laughs> Thank and, you. And, and, are, and Christopher, are, are, are we good? We are good. It has been a pleasure, Paul. I can tell you that. Thanks, Christopher. You, Thanks, you guys. Thanks, Curtis. You have, re, you have re-envisioned our individuality by coming on this show and reminding us the importance oh. of Hunter and individuality. Yay. Makes yes, me happy. Yes, yes. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you much. I hope it was of some use. And, and Chris, I hope we get to talk again soon. Hope so, too. Okay. Thank you. Ciao. Bye, everyone. Bye.